I don't know why, but I'm feeling so sad. Stormy weather. That was Billie Holiday. Oh, I thought it was Edith Piaf. It was really me, Sister Twain. Oh, my gosh. Hi, Sister Twain. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I didn't, is that your iced tea or my iced tea? It's mine. Don't oh, touch it. Okay. Okay. So I'm already drunk. I've had one glass of rosé on kind of an empty stomach. It's and, 11 in the morning. And we have a guest. We have a guest star. But before we get into this incredible person, we're not going to get into her physically. No. Because we would need her consent. Right. We believe but, in consent. <laughs> but we have some housekeeping. <laughs> Two things. The first thing is, for those, this is for locals or for those of you who might visit. Um, Sister Twain has a favorite shop, and they're not doing so great right now. It's a little shop in Sugar House called Lily Botanica. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is fucking adorable. It's adorbs. And I don't mean adorable, like cute. I mean adorable, like a little bit of spooky, a little bit of 1940s, a little macabre, a little, um, it's just this tiny shop run by this cute lady who always has her hair in two cute little buns on the side of her head. I mean, that makes us think of Princess Leia, but that's... A little bit, a little bit. That's okay. Her name's Lisa, not Lily. Okay. But the shop's called Lily Botanica, and... We always chat when I go in there because I just like to talk to her. I like to spend time in her shop. She's always got her. Is this where you had the tea leaf readings? Yes. From and the you, witch? Can, you can get tea leaf readings there. Actually, one of our gentle listeners, the tea leaf reader, is her aunt. Oh, hello, gentle listener. Okay. Yeah. I just said your name. I whispered it to Brother Coffee if you're listening. But, anyways, um,. They do that on Saturdays, but they always, whenever she's open, she has her teas for sampling and you hold your little teacup and just walk around the shop and talk to Lisa or you don't have to talk to Lisa, but it's the tiniest shop, but I easily spend half an hour in there because she's got so much cool stuff. I've never been. The last time I was in there, I was like, okay, I've been trying to figure out what music it is you play because I want to play it in my house. And she's like, well, I just create my own playlist and it's just like this weird stuff and I wouldn't even really know like what to call it. And I was like, who's playing right now? And it was Enrico Caruso. Okay. Look it up, listen to it, feel it, put it in an IV and stick it in your arm. And that is kind of the vibe of the shop. So your housekeeping is... Go, go to this support, shop. Go support the shop. She <laughs> and said, put some Enrico Caruso yeah. in your vagine. She said that they have been, they've had a rough summer, that it's been a slow summer. And um, if you just go in, you buy a little greeting card for someone that you know is having a birthday. Just go in, buy a little candle. Go in and buy a, a thing of tea. They've got stuff for your wall that's just like wall art that's just crazy super everything's super duper affordable um and then maybe go in on a saturday between 11 and 5 and have a tea leaf reading her name's charmian charmian yes charmian Char- is that like charmaine with a utah accent oh charmian <laughs> charmian you leave she's, mckay alone she's actually from england oh okay <laughs> she's not and she's from like Draper. this 80 year old woman who wears these huge black rimmed glasses and and dyed red hair she's a witch yes I love a witch. Anyway, the other thing is, is we're having a party. Oh, that's what I thought your housekeeping was going to be. On September 6th, and we just decided this like an hour ago, September 6th at 7 p.m., place to be determined. But somewhere in like the greater Salt Lake area. Right. And if you follow us on Instagram, I made a post about it with my Venmo account info, info because we need... Funds for booze, food, and hopefully an event space. And hopefully a stripper. Just kidding. We're not going to get a stripper. I'm going to strip. Oh, okay. Sister Twain's going to strip. You guys, we're not rich. (laughs) So we are not buying all your booze. So Sister Twain's going to strip. You're going to see all her stretch marks. I will mix drinks for you. Yes. But I I can't afford all the booze. Brother Coffee will be making cocktails. I will be wearing a unicorn mask. (laughs) Just kidding. I won't actually be wearing a mask. No, you'll all get to see who Brother Coffee really is. If you don't know already. Yeah. So anyway. So that's our housekeeping. That's our housekeeping. And so we have a guest star today. Um, she will be known heretofore as Rachel. 
right? Hello. It's oh, Rachel. It's Rachel. We're so excited. We're going to take just a quick little interlude and get into this. We are going to hear Rachel's story. Right. Do you remember in the 90s when everyone had the haircut called the Rachel? Yeah. That was a bad haircut. Why did everyone get it? Because it's cute. Is it? It was then. But everything about the 90s is not cute anymore. I know. But it will be cute in like 10 years. We'll love the Rachel again. We'll love a good wide leg like stovepipe jean. Don't come for me, brother coffee. (laughs) Unless you are called for. (laughs) We will love a good flannel and just a real and like a clunky heel and a wide leg jean. The 90s were not the pinnacle of pop culture like the 80s. The 80s will always be relevant. But in the 90s, we thought the 80s were gross. We were like, oh, we wore like pink hair and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Wrong. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break take and a then break. we're going to get into the story of Rachel. We're back. I want to just say quickly while you're chewing, we are snacking on a lovely snack oh. that Sister Twain picked up for us at the local Harmons. Yes. The cookies are called Effie's. What are they called? And it's spelled E F F, F as in Frank or fuck. E-F-F-I-E, apostrophe Echo, S. fuck, fuck, igloo, <laughs> echo. <laughs> um, they're oat cakes, and we're having the regular oat cakes, and we're having the oat cakes with cocoa. And just to clarify, because I thought they were going to be really sweet, and they're not. They are no. a little bit sweet. No. But they're kind of crumbly, kind of oaty. Almost like a shortbread, yeah. but the texture is not quite like a shortbread. And then we're eating it with a red fox cheddar. Yes, from, from England, England. And it tastes like... What cheddar should taste like. Right. It tastes like the perfect mac and cheese cheddar. Yeah. Because who wants to really eat cheddar? No one. But, but this, this is sharp and it's... And uh, nutty? Yes. Nutty. 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 Anyway, little Effie's oat cake and okay. a little red fox right. cheddar. So let's get into it. That's what we're having. Okay. So, uh, Rachel, how do you want to introduce yourself? Um, that is <laughs> a great question. So your name is Rachel. Yes. What are your pronouns? She, her. She, her. Yes. I am a trans woman who transitioned within the last, I'd say, like, year, year and a half-ish. Holy shit. (laughs) That's not very long. (laughs) No. It's all happened very quickly. Yes. Um, I'm kind of based within the area. I won't say where. That's fine. That's fine. Um... So let's just start with you were born and let's start there. Or, or the we, day of your birth. Or I'm just kidding. Is that is that is that your mother's so, maiden name? Yes. And so you have. So is it okay that if I tell them the three sections? Yes. Okay. And then we're gonna let you just go. Rachel so. has uh, been very prepared and she's created a three-part story uh-huh. to tell her story. <laughs> Part one is called the egg years. Yes. Part two is called the cracking. <laughs> And the emoji you sent with that is a frying pan with an egg sunny side up. Part three is the hatching. And of course, it's the emoji with the little chick sitting in the little bottom half of the egg. I feel like if you ever write like a dystopian YA novel, like this should be the name of the trilogy. The egg years, the hatching, and the, oh, wait, absolutely. the egg years, the cracking, and the hatching. And the hatching. That should yeah. be, I mean, that dystopian is like a dystopian YA, YA about, <laughs> about a young trans girl fighting the system, you know, like the oppressors, there's some sort of magic. I don't and know. We can workshop she, that and later. And the two people she's in love with, because there's always a triangle. Yes, yeah, always. a love triangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to have a love triangle. Yeah, so. All right, so, okay. So, the egg years. So go right into okay, the egg yeah. years. So wait, before we start, okay. for those who maybe don't know, I don't know, probably very few, but um, for those who don't, being trans is basically just, I, I hate to use the word identifying, but that's kind of the official terminology. Mm-hmm. It's identifying with a gender that is outside of what you are assigned at birth. Um, and it can range from, there's a lot of things that you can do with that. There's some people that will transition socially and medically. There are some people that just transition socially. Um, and there's this huge spectrum. Yeah. Like with everything. Right. Yeah. And it is a separate thing from sexuality. A lot of people get it conflated. Right. Um, and there's really, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. There's really, there's gender, which is kind of your biological 
bits. There's gender identity, which is how you identify and view yourself in the world. And correct me if you disagree with this classification. Yeah, it's sex, which is... Oh, sex, that's yeah, what I meant sex, to say. Sex, the parts you have. Yes, sex gender, is the part you have. Gender is who you are, and um, sexuality is who you love. Yeah. And then gender expression is how you present yourself to the world, which could right. be different than your sex or different than your gender or different than any of that. Right. And I am a firm believer that everyone should do whatever makes them happy and we should just treat people with respect in that regard. Right. Like, why is that so fucking hard? I I have no idea. Side note, former flame of mine, we, he wanted to meet to chat because he has a son who's like, I'm really female. And he's like, it doesn't make sense to me because he still likes girls. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't. I don't have time. I don't have space for this. I do not have the space. I do not. I cannot hold space for this. I'm like, first of all. And I didn't say it like I was a bitch. I wanted to, though. But I was like, first of all, identif- your, your gender identity has zero to do. Has zero to do with your sexual orientation. And he's like, okay, don't don't get mad at me. And I was like, I'm not mad at you. <laughs> it is really, it's interesting to me because I feel like there is like a, I don't want to make, I mean, this is kind of painting with a broad brush, but I feel like there's kind of a generational divide where like, where like younger, I feel like younger people, for the most part, just kind of intuitively understand this. Like, you right. get to be who you want to be, you love who you want to love, you identify how you want to identify, and it just isn't a big deal. And then, and then baby boomers, because they're the fucking worst, are like, are like, <laughs> wait a minute, what? How could this, you know, just like, it just is a, it's like yeah, aliens it, from it outer space for them. The yeah, like they can't, yeah. And it doesn't make sense. And I, to and not. I, and it's, and it does get hard to explain to them because you're just like, it's not that hard. All you need to understand is let people do and be and love who they want to do and be in love. <laughs> like, that's it. Yep. That's all you need to know. But they're like, I can't, what? I mean, it, I uh, boys are boys. And anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so back to what you were saying. Yeah, so just kind of giving a prefix as far as, like, what being trans means. um, There are a lot of people. I would say I am, like, the stereotype for a trans experience as far as the signs that I showed growing up and kind of the journey that I've taken as far as, like, how I've decided to transition and the things that I feel, etc., Um, but there's so, so many other stories and I don't, I want to make sure that the people listening know that my story is one of a bajillion. It's It's your story. It's just your own. Yeah. Right. It's the story of Rachel. You are not the spokesperson for the trans female community or anything like that. (laughs) No, that is so much fucking pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. God. But I do have a quick question before we get into this and 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 brother Coffee and I might want to ask clarifying questions. Please do. Is there any language in the mainstream transgender conversation that is not comfortable for you. For example, Brother Coffee was telling me that gay men don't like to be called homosexuals anymore. I mean, I don't care, but in the he, in the larger right. community, that is not. Is there anything akin to that that makes um, you uncomfortable? Kind of in that same vein, um, the term like transsexual has fallen out of favor, right? Because that implies like going through a surgery and all of the things that cis people go, wait, what? <laughs> um, just because there's, again, there's so many different stories. There's so many different. Let me interject really quickly. You just said cis people. What does, oh, cis, yeah, yeah, yeah. What does okay. cisgender mean? Okay. In case important. anyone listening doesn't know. Yes, yes. didn't know what that meant. You? Cindy. Oh, Cindy. Cindy. Of all people, I know, Cindy. I know. And I think me. maybe that's our fault because we didn't tell her. It's mine and your personal fault. We kept her chained up in the corner. We did. I know. Sorry, Cindy. Cindy! Cindy, will you make me another iced tea? (laughs) Anyway. So cisgender means... Right. Okay. So cisgender is identifying with the gender that you were assigned at birth. Right. So I was born. They said, he's a boy. I I still identify as a boy. So I am cisgendered. Yes. Correct. Um, Or cisgender. I shouldn't have put an ED on the end. Yeah. The ED makes it sound more like a weird mental condition. So right. that's generally frowned Thank you. upon. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
also in that same vein, the word transgender is an adjective. This is all semantics, but there are some people that will say a transgender or like a gay. Right. Right. Or it makes just, it sound like they're, they're your neighbors, the transgenders. <laughs> like, can we go right. to the transgenders and borrow right. a cup of sugar? <laughs> like, they're not. Which is funny because if I had gay neighbors, I would say, I'm going to go to the gays yeah, and get you some would. sugar. Yeah, you would. And they would laugh at that, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but Maybe. it's an adjective. You are a yes. trans woman. Yes. First and foremost, we are people. Sure. Transgender is the adjective to apply to it. Right. Um, and I would say that oh, there, I've heard recently that there are some people that want to change that from saying like a trans woman trans man to person of trans experience which personally is interesting to me because the words like experience and identify for me personally are weird because it makes it sound more like feels, a choice yeah and it feels like impermanent yeah. or transitory yeah or and it, <laughs> transitory transitory yeah. it almost sounds like a same-sex attraction bullshit but I can also under I, I can kind of identify with not wanting to use the word trans man or trans woman because some of these people may not identify as man or woman. Yes, you know that's they may correct. identify somewhere on the gender spectrum. Yes. Um, oh, and to follow that up, um, the gender spectrum isn't necessarily a binary thing. Um, there are people who identify as non-binary, mm-hmm. um, and they, that can range from like. A little more femme to a little more masculine to somewhere right in between or not at all. It it or, all depends on the person. One or, or one one day and another, you know, they may yeah, express right. very femme Fluidity. one day. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not three different boxes. A man, a non-binary, a woman. It's a fluid scale. Yeah, it's, it's like those <laughs> rainbow diagrams that you had in art class where it had all of the colors in a wheel. And then you had like lighter colors on the edges and darker yeah. colors in the middle. And it's like, it's okay, like pick all there. over the place. And then some people go, I don't want to use that. And then yeah. they just use something else instead. <laughs> so I want to, I want to, I want to take a little break and then we'll jump into your story. But I think kind of what I want to leave this with, cause I think this has all been really helpful information, but I think, I, I think, um, people who are, don't have a lot of exposure to the LGBTQ community or the trans community get really panicked about like saying the wrong thing or or, you know, or asking the wrong question. And what I always tell people and, and, you know, tell me if you agree is like, if you're asking questions from a genuine place of like, I don't understand this and I want to understand it better. So, you know, how do you like to be identified or, 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 you know, whatever, like most people are going to be really okay with that kind of approach of just saying like, I, I respect you and I see you and I want to treat you the right way, but I'm not totally sure how to. So, or I'm not totally sure how to you know, whatever, talk about this. And so help me understand better. Most people in the community or most trans people would be like, cool, yeah. And they're happy to talk about it. Yeah, I would say that as long as you're approaching in good faith and you want to know and be as respectful as possible, asking questions is okay. I would say don't ask a trans person questions that you wouldn't ask a cis person. Right. Like don't go up to someone and just say, so what's your genital situation? Right. Like, what's yeah, happening don't, down there? Don't ask if you've had surgery and or lot, what. Yeah. 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 That, that's yeah. the question that happens a lot when people find out you're trans. They ask about the surgery, which there are a lot of different surgeries that trans people get. So Or don't get. Or don't get. Right. right. Yeah. And everyone is different. And you would never go up to your cisgendered friend and be like, so how's your penis? Like you have a penis? Like <laughs> you wouldn't say that. Unless you're really comfortable. So you wouldn't them. say that to your trans friend. You wouldn't ask about their their Unless organs. you wanted to fuck them. I mean sure. Yeah. But true. even then that's a little you gotta be a little delicate. Really, do you? Yeah. Okay. Well and and like when you're asking for pronouns, um a lot of people like just if you ask what are your pronouns rather than preferred pronouns because again that makes it sound like a choice but again that could also just be me projecting my own feelings no, about it No I think it. that's I think that's sort of yeah, the, just like, the what generally are, what accepted. are your pronouns Yes yeah. yeah All right so let's take okay, a break Let's take a break and then we'll jump into the egg years The egg years We're back. The egg years. Let's do this. Let's do this. So the egg years, Rachel, go. Okay. So quick explanation for the word egg in the trans community, or at least in 
like the subreddits that I frequent online, um, <laughs> the word egg is usually used for a person who is trans and doesn't know it yet, who has not fully hatched. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Oh! I love that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. And some people will also use that to identify as someone who thinks they might be trans, but doesn't necessarily want to go into exploring that yet because it's terrifying. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, depending on the situation, some people have awesome, supportive, wonderful things and can just go into it. And then other people have, anyway, so that's what an egg is <laughs> in this context. Um, so I grew up in Utah primar- primarily, um, and like I said before, there were so many signs growing up that I was trans that looking back, I go, how the fuck did I not figure this out sooner? Are right. you going to share some of those? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I have lists. She's got a list. <laughs> She's opening the notes this out. This is fantastic. <laughs> I, this is fantastic. Yeah. So growing up, um, I grew up with a younger sister who I'm still very close with. We're basically twins. Um, and a lot of the same things that she liked were also the things that I liked. And my parents were pretty open-minded and just like, didn't really care what we did in terms of interests that way. Cause I mean, it's, they're toys. It doesn't right, matter. Right. Um, I had a Barbie growing up, like when I was very, very little, I had a Barbie that I'd named boobs. Oh, boobs, the Barbie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I think my parents used that as a sign that I was a straight boy. And they're like, no, no, no. You just no, love no. those boobs. <laughs> it's yeah. totally fine. Which, how old were you? Like four? Five? Oh, younger. Okay. I was and- like maybe one or two at the oh. time. Oh. Which is really funny that at like two years old, they'd be like, he just loves them boobs. You know, like, what? Two-year-olds? They don't, they don't I, know they're that. They're not sexualized. No. 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 I okay. just, I had a fascination with boobs. Okay? Yeah. Still definitely do. Sure. Fair. <laughs> So does Sister Twain. I do. I love boobs so much. <laughs> Both mine and other people's. It, it's a great thing. Um, and you guys, I don't. I mean, I, I appreciate boobs, but they're not my thing. Yeah, we know. We, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure that the... You that are the not cis, an ally. I wanted to make sure that the cis gay voice was heard. My people's voices have been oppressed for too long. Oh we need the white male voice to be heard. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Oh God. Anyway. Um, and growing up, there were a lot of... I grew up in the 90s, so there was a shit ton of different media about things that were morphing all the time. Oh. Like, there was Animorphs, there were Power Rangers. Oh. There were... You, that, this is great. <laughs> I'm loving this. Yeah, and so I... So you were attracted to things, or not attracted, but you were interested in things that would change from one form to another. Yes. That's I, so fascinating. I was super weirdly obsessed with it, so much so that I would have my parents draw the characters over and over and then have like a folding top to the paper where the faces would morph back and forth. Oh my gosh. Have you have you talked to other trans people in like these Reddit communities? Like, is this a common attraction, a t- common like obsession as kids? Um, I haven't talked to a lot of people in person, but online there are a lot of people that will, when referencing those kinds of things from the '90s, they go, "Oh my God, that was me! I was obsessed with those that things too." That is so interesting. Uh, okay, and it's fascinating okay, that. Keep going. And there are always, like, those Disney Channel movies where people would switch bodies and then oh, try yeah, really yeah, hard yeah. to yeah. switch back. And I would always go, but why are they wanting to switch back? I don't understand. Oh like, wouldn't gosh. you want to? insane. Oh so fascinating. I, it's super, like, again, looking back, I go, how the fuck did you not see this? But right. then again, I grew up, oh, this is another very important detail. I grew up Mormon. Right. Um <laughs> And so, shout out to the Moes. Yeah. So, I grew up very much with the ideology and the thought process of this is the box that you've been given because this is how God made you. So, this is how it has to be. Right. And so, I didn't even have any opportunities to question anything because I was one of those super obedient Mormon children who just wanted to make her parents happy and do whatever she could to not 
kind of rock the boat. I just wanted to be obedient, get into heaven, and spend time with the family right. that I loved. Right. Mm. Um, and I think, too, like, even, like, now we are just starting to scratch the surface of talking about the trans experience in the world. But, like, you know, 10, 20 years ago in the 90s, like, we didn't talk about trans we people. Like, it was not... talk about that, it. I mean, I, I mean, I think we knew, I think we had heard the term, or we, you know, oh, but, yeah, like, and, it was very, very misunderstood and very not talked about. So and, I'm sure yeah, as a, as a little Mormon that, kid... Oh, yeah, and the times that it was talked about, it, it was usually demonized or seen as super weird or, like, this or huge... Or perverse or, yeah. Completely. Right. Like, Ace Ventura and shows like Mari and Jerry Springer, where they would have those features of my husband got a surgery to become a woman and all yeah. the audience is booing them. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I remember yeah. those very vividly. Oh, that's so sad. Which <laughs> again, looking back. Um, so other things that I did that were very eggy of me. Um, I had, I mean, this isn't necessarily reflective of all trans women or even women in general. I had more female friends than I ever did male friends mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. Like, I did have male friends, but I t- always found myself much more comfortable and more like myself when I was around the friends of mine that were female. Yeah. And I always chalked it up to, oh, I'm just super close with my sister. I'm just super comfortable with her. And so I'm comfortable with all these other girls because we, I understand it. Right. And then I would hang around my guy friends. I'm like, I don't, why, I don't yeah. understand. Why are you so obsessed with drawing penises? I, I do not get it. It makes zero sense to me. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and, oh shit. Okay. I, I had a very similar experience as a gay kid. And, and again, before I even knew the, to use those words or identify that, I was always more comfortable around girls. And I never felt... I never felt at ease around boys because I just felt like I didn't, I didn't know how to just be comfortably masculine, you know, like it just, I couldn't figure it out and it just always felt like off to me. Anyway. I'm same. Yeah. (laughs) Fair. Um, but I, I was always seen as like the more gentle child, right? like not a super masculine type person, but also still a boy at the time right. and they're just like oh no 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 it's fine he's super sweet and super were you perceived gentle. as like feminine like did you get teased for being feminine uh, or were you or was it more just like I, gentle was, was more the there was word. a brief time in junior high I think I was but I have blocked so much of that from my memory okay, subconsciously fair. that I don't remember we'll get into that let's not pick that scab no um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like going back into the morphing things I this this might out me this might remove my anonymity but i (laughs) have a copy of harry potter and the chamber of secrets book two where right in the center the chapter of the polyjuice potion the one where they drink it and turn into the other people Uh my copy of the book the spine is broken right (laughs) at the start of that chapter so when you put it onto its spine it'll open up flaps open to right to that part and it's absolutely thrashed because you read point. it a million times. Yeah, and I was just obsessed with looking at the one tiny illustration that they have at the top of the page. And again, I just wanted to take it and then keep taking the polyuse potion over and over. But no, I was totally a boy. It's fine. Um, <laughs> and I was also a very creative child growing up in the Mormon environment where they encourage creativity so that you can play piano in sacrament meeting. Right. Um, <laughs> it's real. Yeah. And having creative parents, I would write stories a lot. And whenever I wrote stories, especially if they were in first-person perspective, they were always from a female perspective. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm like, oh, no, I, I understand it better. It's like I, I just find it much more fascinating to write from that perspective. And then any time I had to write from a male perspective, I'm like, this is so boring. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do, can I just change the story? Um, and there was a time when the movie, the Prince of Egypt came out, Mm -hmm. which I was super obsessed with. I wanted to dress as Moses for Halloween. They put beard makeup on me one night just to kind of test out the costume. And I looked in the mirror and I started screaming and crying. Oh, poor little Rachel. (laughs) 
like seeing myself with the facial hair was freaked terrifying. me out. Oh my god! Um, and oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going through she's this just, list. She's referring to our notes. Referring to our notes. <laughs> this is great. And just rediscovering all these things. Um, I guess for Christmas one year, I've questioned my parents about this. They don't remember this, but there was one year for Christmas that I asked for a. I guess a magic wishing crystal that would allow me to have whatever kind of wish that I wanted. And that was what I wanted was to have the ability to change into a girl and just stay that way and just have it be normal. And that's kind of like, but I never told my parents that because you didn't tell them what the wish was, but you oh, told them that you no, wanted the crystal. No, no, no. I was so afraid to tell anyone about any kind of these gender feelings because one, that's with Mormon doctrine, especially with, I don't know, listeners who are familiar with, there's something called the Family Proclamation to the World mm. that came out in the 90s, yes. released by the general authorities in response to some kind of gay marriage thing in Hawaii, where <laughs> it's now considered doctrine and inspiration. Like inspired, I consider it hate speech. Oh, absolutely! Like I, I, when I see it in public, I want to tear it down. It's violence. It's violent and it's hate speech. Yeah. But in it, it one says that marriage is for a man and a woman, right. and that any kind of same-sex attraction is against God's will, and gender is eternal, and that male is male, female is female. There's nothing in between. That's just what it is. Sure. And I'm paraphrasing. They yeah, yeah, they don't yeah. say it like this. Oh, they sure, sure, they sure. make it sound super scriptural and pretentious. Um, so I never told anyone about these thoughts that I was having because I they were always in the back of my mind, but I was always focused on other things. But I was always just so uncomfortable with who I was and my own body. And I didn't know how to express it without sounding like I was ungrateful for the gift that God had given me. Right. Of a body. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> um, and also, I had the weird idea that everybody grows up praying to God and crying at night, think, wishing that they were a girl. because This is what it, everyone does. <laughs> yeah, that's what everyone does. Super normal. God. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, let's pause for a little break here. Because okay. we've we've been going for a while, but this is fascinating, okay. fascinating stuff. Are you okay? I, I'm okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I'm really just listening and taking this in as a parent of a transgender child. Um, I'm I'm processing a lot in the moment, and Brother Coffee is really kind of leading the discussion here. That's fine. Okay. Okay, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll come back to the rest of the egg years. We're back. Uh, Twain's having coffee because Twain really wants to, to process a little bit more efficiently. I don't know if I mentioned that I had one glass of rosé and was three sheets to the wind. <laughs> right. I don't think we ever decided how many sheets it really is. Two sh- I think it's three. It's fine. Like the saying. Twain's drinking coffee out of a mug that says, I can't even, which, which feels appropriate. 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 <laughs> yeah. You can't, you don't even know what to do with all okay. this information about the Animorphs. So back. Back, back to the egg years. Let's go, Rachel. <laughs> Okay, so during the break, I looked through this list and saw that it is a thing of 101 items. So I, <laughs> I'm going to paraphrase. So and we're gonna, forward. yeah, we're gonna shorten it up a little bit. I could go on and on and on about things in media and shit that I found growing up that I attached to, and went, I wish I could be a girl, and then suppressed it right. for the rest of forever. Right. Um, <laughs> Turn it off like a light switch. Anyway. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, I was always drawn to more girly things, but was very secretive about it. Um, like in elementary school, there was a series that I really loved that was about like these teenage girls who had magic powers that could, that would like fight crime from another dimension or whatever. And one of my girlfriends was reading it and I wanted to borrow it, but I didn't want to be seen reading it. Um, a lot of what I kind of did growing up was suppressing that that's an understatement. I 
would try so, so hard to avoid any kind of appearance of anything girly, even if it was, mm. like, in jest, because I was so scared of secretly enjoying it, not wanting to go back, and falling away from this Mormon box that I had to fit into. This this is a whole other Oprah, but isn't it crazy how, like, if, if a little girl wants to read Harry Potter, let's say, about a boy, a boy protagonist, like, nobody cares. No big deal. Yeah. But, like we teach little boys that if they want to read a book about a girl, it's like kind of weird or it's, or it's like, it's, it's like, Oh, well, why are you reading that? Like, I just think it's so sad that as a little, when you were, you know, in this phase of your life, like you were nervous about being seen reading a book about a girl, which is so stupid because like any little boy should be able to read a book about a girl and it shouldn't mean anything, you know, but, but, but somehow we have assigned. It's, it's because, and we could, this is a whole other discussion, but I think it's a lot of it has to deal with the patriarchal ideals that we have yeah. where masculinity is, is seen. the default. Yeah, it's the default. It is the peak. It is what we all strive right. for, which right. is why that when is women, the quote unquote normal experience. Right, which is why experience. when women start to dress more masculinely, it's become more in favor over the years, whereas going the other way is completely scandalous. Right. And it's why, like, trans men are usually, and trans masculine people are usually completely eliminated from the conversation because, or if they are part of the conversation, it's like, oh, no, you're just a lesbian in denial. And it's like, no, fuck that. Yeah. It's because femininity is seen as this bad thing if you're giving up masculinity. Yeah. So but I was, anyway, yeah, <laughs> that's a whole any, other... Yeah, that's, yeah. that's its... That's its whole That's its own podcast. Can of worms. But so relevant. Yeah. Yeah. So I was super afraid, but I was also super drawn to it. Um, and I remember there was a time when I was a kid that I snuck into my mom's room to try on a bra just because I wanted to try it on. Okay. And About what age? Oh, fuck. I don't remember. This was pre-junior high. So okay. Sometime during elementary school. Okay. It wasn't the last time okay but (laughs) um i remember my mom ended up finding me wearing it and she kind of gave me an out of oh are you doing that as a joke for your sister and i said yeah Uh, that yeah uh, that's what i'm doing do you think your mom suspected something and was trying to give you an out or do you think she was trying to make it feel more comfortable for her or what do you think i my mom is still very Mormon, uh-huh. um, always kind of has been. She, I don't think she thought anything. If anything, she probably maybe suspected that I was gay. Okay. Um, but again, being trans was not part of any kind of discussion no. in that time period, early 2000s-ish. Um, and especially not in the Mormon community where being gay was still seen as right, this huge, right, heinous right. crime. Um, so yeah, growing up, I would want to do all these girly things and just not be able to. And so then I'd try to fit in with my guy friends and like play football at recess or whatever, get super just sad and bored and everything and resign myself to not doing that and just hanging out with all of my friends who were girls, just talking and doing whatever shit we were doing on the playground. Yeah. Um, come junior high. Or right before junior high, they have the maturation talk. Oh, yes. I've been to those. Yeah. This this is where things start to get super cloudy for me because what they do, I don't know how it is in other parts of the United States, but here in Utah, they separate the boys and the girls and they each have their own talks about what happens as you're growing up, like what puberty is going to do to you, what to expect, how to deal with it. I remember going to the assembly for the male maturation thing. And then my memories are a giant cloud of nothing until about ninth grade. Oh, really? I don't remember most of my early adolescence. I have inklings of things like walking through the halls of junior high and maybe a few things from a few classes, maybe a few moments of being with friends nothing about conversations or memories or inside jokes or anything that a lot of them still remember i it's completely gone from my memory just because i was so dissociated from the puberty that was 
going to happen and in the process of happening that I I don't remember anything anymore. That's fascinating. And it's bizarre. Like, I can go into picture books and, like, albums and stuff and look at pictures of myself from that time period and go, oh, okay, I kind of remember that. But it's not necessary. It feels like someone else's memory. It feels like I was kind of the third-person pilot of this meat suit that had this weird cloudy fog filter. Yeah. And it's... Again, it's really weird because it's super hard to describe to people who haven't gone through it. And um, But that makes sense. Like, I mean, our brains, our brains and our subconscious, like, work to protect us all the time. And it's where a lot of our, so all of us, all of the issues that we're dealing with in our own lives come from, you know, trauma or harm that we went through that our brain tried to protect us from, you know. So it, it created some neural pathway or some way of thinking, you know, that is that is now governing the way we live. And it uh, completely makes sense to me that you were going through this very traumatic thing of, like, becoming more of a man when that is absolutely the opposite of what you wanted to do, that your brain would just be like, <laughs> just, like, drop the curtain. Like, yep. I don't want to, I don't want to look back at that. I don't want to remember that. Like Yeah, and, like, the only things that I remember are... Like, maybe a blip of a vacation that we took as a family. Um, maybe an art class or two that happened, because that was my outlet, was just drawing and art. And my art teacher was super awesome and super supportive of me, which I needed. She was, like, my best friend at the time, which was really sad. Right. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until ninth grade when I started going into, like, a theater community that my memories start to pick up again. Wow. Where I was able to... <laughs> That's it. That's I, like, it. That's I swung it. the microphone over yeah. to Sister Twain, yeah, but was, it was just that wow. Just, it was just uh, that loud keep wow. Going, keep She's going. still here. Sister Twain is still uh, here. Yeah. Yeah, so ninth grade is about where my memories pick up again, and even then, it's still spotty. I, I have such a hard time remembering things in general, and I think a lot of it is because... I have subconsciously dissociated from so much of my life up until the point when I started transitioning. Um, so getting into theater and finding people that were just able to express themselves freely and just be who they were helped me to kind of feel more comfortable in myself. I was still super uncomfortable, like going into the boys dressing room, I didn't want to be there. but. I also felt weird about the girls' dressing room because I was also attracted to girls. And I'm like, maybe that's just what it is. It's not jealousy. It's just attraction. It's fine. Um, <laughs> and Were you identifying, like, at this point, were you starting to use the word trans in your own mind? Oh, or no, you, not, okay, not, not even okay. close. No, I had no idea because okay. I was suppressing this so heavily. I did not even consider that having these feelings was any way different from the norm. I thought that... Everyone ev felt this way. Yeah, because it's junior high and right, high school and right. everyone is super insecure all the time. Right. Um, and, like, also at the time, because I was still super Mormon, and that was around the time that Prop 8 happened, I was, like, very much... I don't want to say anti-gay because it was still... Well, it's it was anti-gay in the sense that, like, People are supportive, like, we love you no matter what, but also we can't condone you as a person. Right. Um, and we love the sin, but hate the sinner. Yeah. Wait, I said that the wrong way. You we said it wrong. <laughs> but, they do, but they do hate the sinner. Oops. They do hate the sinner. <laughs> yeah. P.S. <laughs> yeah, and so that's kind of where my brain was. And I remember there was a kid who came out to me as gay at one point during, like, some kind of stage crew, something or other. And I don't remember how I reacted, but I definitely didn't see him much after that so I'm guessing it wasn't positive do you think you don't remember because it was one of those moments one of those coping moments like you had in middle school where it was traumatic so there's a part of your brain that kicks in and a part that shuts out possibly okay um anyway keep going. again I just have a terrible memory in general <laughs> okay and it's only gotten marginally better with time um and estrogen <laughs> yes. Weird how brains running on the proper chemicals can actually make them work better. Um, so then I got into high school. Fabulous. And 
that's when I started to kind of find myself a bit more. I was doing a lot of theater. I was working. I had a life. And that's when I started to kind of go against the Mormon grindstone as much as I could because I was looking at porn at the time like every other person at that age is. And so I'm like, no, I have to be a good person because... And, And actually looking back, a lot of it was not porn. It was these fan fiction things of turning into girls <laughs> wow it's super weird again looking back it's not weird but in your mind you were thinking it was pornography oh absolutely oh my because, god because it's things that you can't show your parents was there a sexual it, element to it or was it more just about like people a romance? Pr- probably okay <laughs> again it's gone um, <laughs> um but, like, being a horny teenager, I always just attributed it to that and then felt super guilty. And so. And you were always attracted to girls. Yes. Okay. And I didn't find out till later that I was bi. We'll get into that. Okay. Um, but that's, I think, what kind of kept me stuck for so long from exploring anything else was because I was attracted to girls and because I was assigned male at birth. And that, that already was line- normal. That yeah, was, yeah, that, that, that was already what you lines should be up doing. with yeah. the box yeah, yeah, yeah. that we've been given. Yeah. So there's no problem here. You're right. fine. Everything's great. Yeah. So then going into high school, I tried to be really diligent in following church leadership and like being in callings and doing things, but still feeling super uncomfortable being in the church for reasons I couldn't quite explain. And there were reasons I could explain, but didn't feel like I sh- could because they always gave the masturbation talk in priesthood and always made everyone feel guilty. Because, right. like, only good people don't masturbate. And then you can tell everyone in the room has definitely <laughs> masturbated at right. least once. Of course. I um, didn't masturbate until my 20s. Wow. Really? Have we talked about that on this show? Um, This just falls in line with your self-hatred. Okay. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. Yeah. Not once as an adolescent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with that note, I'm gonna, we're going to take a little break. Okay. I got to go rub one out. Just kidding. Oh just God. kidding. Just kidding, you guys. So we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back. That was violence. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> we're back. Let's do it. Are we to the hatching yet? Or are we still in the um, egg years? We we can get to the hatching because this is where things start to cross over a little bit. This is where the shit starts to get real. Yes. And this, I will give a disclaimer, is where I'm going to kind of start skipping forward a bit. Because there are still parts that are pretty fresh in my... I, I don't want to say like trauma triggering type thing, but... Yes. But that. But, but that's fair. But that. Yeah. But exactly that. <laughs> I don't want to call it trauma, but I was but it traumatized. Is exactly yeah. trauma. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to skip forward and then we'll get to the more fascinating stuff of the actual transition. Okay. Let me, I want to just interject something because Sister Twain ran into one of our gentle listeners who is a sex therapist. Uh-huh. And she said that there are studies, and correct me if I'm saying this wrong, okay. there are studies that show that growing up in a really religious tradition like this that controls your sexuality it builds some of the same patterns in your brain as actual physical your sexual abuse. brain processes the sexual trauma from a religious upbringing like ours where there's such hyper focus and shame surrounding sex your brain processes it exactly the same as actual physical sexual abuse. And I don't want to cool. say that to I mean I don't want to you know, say that my experience is akin to someone who was actually physically sexually abused because that's its own thing. But, but I think, I think I feel the same way as you that I want to sort of downplay what I went through as like, I mean, it's not a big deal. Like other people have big problems, but like we really did go through anyone with this, this upbringing, there really is real trauma associated with that, that we have to work through. So, so don't feel like you have to downplay it or justify like right. the, uh, like what it was because it was real trauma like it was trauma for yeah. you as a person and sex therapist gentle listener who lives in the pacific northwest if you want to correct us so we have the right verbiage on that on what we just said about sexual trauma please send us an email or a message on one of our social media yeah. and we will correct it on the next one right okay so anyway go ahead okay so starting into the next chapter the cracking um, book two, The Kraken. <laughs> Kraken. The Kraken. Oh, no, the, that's a different book. Yes. Um, so 
as kind of the super Mormon person that I was, not anymore, um, I wanted to like go on a mission, get married, um, and I tried to go on the mission thing, got super traumatized with like depression, anxiety, and abusive companion in the MTC, left early, and that's another story of itself where I'm like, I don't feel comfortable at all around all of these men and then i got super close with all of the sisters in the mission um (laughs) of course shocker shocker um so i did that came back and then i was super hyper focused on trying to get married because and, and mormons will never admit to this but the hierarchy for becoming godlike is very much a checklist yeah where you have to get baptized get the holy ghost for men, it's go on a mission and get the priesthood, and then it's get married, have kids, right. and go to the temple, etc. Right. So I was... So you were just on to the next, the next item on the checklist. Yeah. And so Tried I... Tried the mission thing. Okay. Didn't, didn't work. Now I got to find a yeah, wife. Yeah. And did the whole temple thing. Was super freaked out the first time, and then kind of just suppressed all of that the next several times that I went. <laughs> Um, Which is, I'm sure, so true of so many Mormons that the temple was some traumatic experience. And I can't even imagine, especially like, as because the temple is very gendered and it is very, you know, you sit. Absolutely. You know, the room is physically divided. The women sit together and the men sit together. And there are different, there are different aspects of the ceremony that the men perform than the women perform. And so it it is very reinforcing, like, you're this gender, you're this gender, you're this gender. And you're not told anything beforehand no and i was under the impression i went with my mom um and like her family and i was under the impression that i get to be with her and she get to explain things to me nope not at all she was on the opposite side of the room right and i was super freaked out because for non-mormons there are many places in the temple where men and women are separated yeah even within the same room yeah yeah the only place where they're not separated is when you get to the celestial room after all of the different ordinance and stuff that you can look up online if you're curious. They're they're sacred, not secret, though. So right. Right. <laughs> that that's what they'll tell you. But then if you ask them what they are, they're like, "Oh, we can't talk about it." They're like, "So it's a secret." No, they're no, sacred. sacred. Anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did that. Did the temple. Did the mission thing. Came back. Found a girl that I really, really liked and was super young when we got married. And I was very much insistent on us getting married. And I regret that now mm-hmm. <laughs> very much so because I really wish that I could undo the things that we went through together and the trauma that I put her through in discovering that I was trans when we were married. Oh. So oh, wow. <laughs> moving into this... I discovered I was trans when I was married. <laughs> um, Let's not put too fine a point on it, but here's what happened. So I think the way that I discovered it is, um, well, one, once we got married, we had the whole sex thing where it's like, oh, cool, now we can finally have sex. This is great. Loved being able to have sex, loved being able to be with her and then I'd see myself in the mirror afterwards and go what the fuck I hate everything about who that is oh wow 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 there was a post I saw I think it was on Twitter recently where someone's like how would you explain gender dysphoria for those who don't know gender dysphoria is um the it's the medical term for the the huge discomfort that what that a person has in their assigned gender or their perceived gender and just the huge like bodily emotional discomfort and anxiety and anguish that comes with that not all trans people have gender dysphoria um but it is very much a part of many people's experience um and you definitely did like you would see your body and just not yeah the mirror was not my friend so anyway the thing i saw on twitter was like how would you explain gender dysphoria and they said imagine looking in the mirror and having an incorrect answer oh yeah that's good there you go oh my god yeah so we would have sex i'd be super happy around her see myself in the mirror and then just be super depressed for the rest of the day and not know how to deal with myself um 
and I discovered I was trans. That's or... trauma. Just, just, just as a reminder, okay. that is trauma. Like that is real, <laughs> actual trauma that, that you trauma. went through. Yes. I thank you for saying it because I'm still so afraid to say anything. No, about that. It, that is trauma. Um, yeah. What? I, I, I'm sorry to keep making this about myself, but. <laughs> such an asshole when I came out and I was you know and I was and I had come out to my ex-wife and we were figuring everything out and I was in therapy and I felt a lot of shame and a lot of guilt for what I had quote-unquote done to her you know because I had tricked her into this marriage blah 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 and my the way my therapist described it is he's like it's like someone handed you a grenade grenade with the pin pulled out of it and you just have walked around your whole life holding it like that that damage was going to happen at some point, you know, like that grenade was going to go off at some point. You didn't, you didn't pull the pin out of the grenade that was just handed to you. You know, you just, you know, I didn't, I mean, obviously like, yes, I chose to get married, but I made that decision under false pretenses and false assumptions that I had been taught my entire life. So the the grenade had to go off at some point. There was going to be collateral damage. Like people were going to be hurt, but it wasn't that I was choosing to hurt them, but it was like, the only way through this is to let go of the grenade and let it explode and then deal with the deal with the ramifications of that after the fact. Yep. yep. Um, and in my scenario, and I'll touch on this a little bit, again, I'm not going to say a lot because I still feel weird and uncomfortable right. talking about right. a lot of it. Um, in my experience, they, overall, the grenade that I got people questioned why I had it in the first place and why I would even be holding on to something and not tell anybody that I had it when I didn't know that it was there. Right. Mm. Um, but again, that's later. So, I'm going to release a video after the fact just of your facial expression, <laughs> Sister Twain, throughout this whole. Because Sister Twain is like at a Southern Baptist revival right now. <laughs> she's just like lips pursed. She's got a fan. She's sipping her iced tea. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh. Like yeah. there is a lot of like, you're yes, at a revival. You're true. feeling the Holy Spirit yeah. right now. Yes. Testifying that what Rachel is saying is no, true. No, no. Yes. <laughs> okay, go on. I'm no, just no. not going to point the mic at you anymore today. Okay, yes. you just you have your own little moment here. Okay, yeah. go ahead, Rachel. All right. So when I kind of started to maybe suspect that I was trans was not even a full year into my marriage. I didn't actually say or declare that I was trans. This is when I started to start to piece things together. And I think the moment, the moment I remember, I don't remember anything really leading up to it or how it started. I was in the bathroom looking at the mirror, getting ready to shower, just saying, why does everything feel so wrong? Just in my own brain going, why, why is everything about what I see just not correct? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, and then when I was in the shower at one point, I was thinking, why couldn't I have been born a girl? Why couldn't And then it hit me, like, what if this means you're trans? I'm like, wait, what? Say that again. (laughs) Like, voices in my head. Because trans people. Yeah. It was like Obi-Wan's voice. Kenobi? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uncle Ben. Yeah. 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 And being the super Mormon at the time, this was completely radical of me. But the first thought I had was, oh, shit. I like that. It's a good answer. Because my immediate thought was, what's going to happen in my marriage if I try and even figure this out or explore it? But like once that thought was there, like what if, it is so hard to undo that valve. Yeah. Because the pressure has built up for so long that trying to close that up again would be lethal. Um, so I started doing some research, trying to figure out and took all the online quizzes of like, are you trans? Does this mean you're trans? <laughs> <laughs> like Buzzfeed, like Teen which magazine, <laughs> yeah. all of the stupid ones, like what gender is your brain? Right. Um, <laughs> speaking of, there were times when I took that quiz earlier on in my life and it always skewed towards female and I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And then didn't <laughs> think anything of it. Um, <laughs> that's on the list of 101 that we didn't go through oh, all of. That one's not even on the list. Oh, I need to add, add it. it. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, so then I kind of came to the conclusion that maybe this is what it was. I would say in March of 2016, 
Um, and so I wrote this huge post and put it on the Ask Transgender Reddit or subreddit and just kind of like an SOS saying, hey, this is my situation. This is what I've gone through. These are the experiences I've had. Could I be trans? And most of the responses were, um, I'm not going to say you're trans, but based on all of these different things, right. very likely that right. you are. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, girl, yeah. you're a duck. So then, I love the respect, though, of being like, I don't want to identify you. You know, that's for you alone. That's, but however, that's fantastic. based on everything you've told me, yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah. And then at the time I was going to school... Um, I reformatted that letter, went to the LGBTQ center of the school and ended up giving that letter to the person working there, just kind of in secret, in passing. I'm like, I, ha- I need someone to talk to in real life. But also the second I gave the person the letter, I'm like, oh shit, I'm, I am on a path that's going right. to destroy everything. Right. You, yep. yep. I, I have set the ball You've rolling. The bell. Everything yep. is going to be destroyed. Um, and let's pause for just a moment okay. with everything being destroyed okay. and take a little yeah, break. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. You okay? Um, I'm okay. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Rachel's great. I'm great. Twain's at a revival. I- Sister Twain. Brother Jack Offie. This is, this is a lot. Yeah, it is. You're going through it. I'm going through it because I have a kid like that. Hashtag going through it. Hashtag how she do. <laughs> so there is so much more to Rachel's story. There is so much more to Rachel's story. We felt like we needed to break this up into two segments. And I'm and I don't want to make it sound like, oh poor me, but this this is some emotional um as a parent, emotional stuff that I have not literally gone through yet. Yeah, yeah. So we're going we're gonna to end this episode. So this is part one, and uh-huh. we are going to start another episode, part two. Um, but you can reach us on Instagram at Hot Drinks, Twitter at Hot Drinks. You can email us at hotdrinksforthebelly at gmail.com. Um, be sure to check out the info about our summer party coming up. Um, but yeah, we are gonna we're gonna end this now, and then we're gonna start up with part two and hear the rest of Rachel's amazing story. Yes. Okay. 